Welcome to the Staying Away from the First Compulsive Bite Workshop. My name is April, and I am a compulsive overeater and the moderator for this workshop. Please join me in opening the workshop with a serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check. This session is being taped. To protect the anonymity of our fellowship, please do not do any photography, audio, or visual recording. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. The format for this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions and answers. The Ask a Basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box of our panelists. So... We're just going to keep the Ask It Basket circulating throughout. So, you know, it's just going to keep going back and forth. As the question comes to you, you can write it down and just keep it passing around until it's time for Q&A. Okay, the topic for this session is, before we take the first compulsive bite, and uh, we have three speakers in, in order. They will be Amy... Maggie and Mary. And then each person will just proceed after the next. So welcome our first speaker, Amy. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater and a food addict. It's so weird that it's not on because it just seems like something in my face. Anyway, um, I'm really grateful to be here. Um, I certainly could not um, ever have anything to say about not taking the first compulsive bite before I found OA. And um, for me, it's only through working the steps that that, that's ever become a possibility, and I still don't do it perfectly. Um, So I want to read a part out of steps one, two, and three as I share my story, because um, that's really what it's all about for me. when I got here, and that was uh, March of 2004, I really didn't believe that I would ever be free of food, be free of the compulsion. And sometimes I still feel shaky about it, but I know today that, that I am as, as if I choose to be. Um, so um, it, was, it took a big thing uh, for me to even entertain the idea because, don't you know, I had done all the things that needed to be done to not eat compulsively. Uh, you know, as a kid, uh, I was on every diet in the book, um, the little books by the grocery store, check out, you know, if you're of my age, you might remember them. Um, 
the um, you know the diets on the radio, the grapefruit diet, all that stuff. Um, and then I did the starving thing when I was in junior high. I I grew up in a family that was fairly religious, and um, you know I kind of had this blending of of God and my parents in this one authoritative figure um, because of how I was raised. And um, I think my mom, out of concern, was was wanting me to be not gain weight because I, her sister was pretty heavy, and I think she probably saw what my my aunt went through. And um, you know I. I I guess today I choose to think about that, that she was looking out for my good instead of just, you know, what I remember as a kid was she harped at me all the time, right? So it's kind of my reframe of that. But it's it's interesting because when I got abs- got on my f- what now is my final food plan for today, um, my the same aunt um, joined another program and lost 80 pounds and I had lost 70 pounds and we both experienced our weight loss at the same time so it was kind of a neat come full circle with uh, where we started um, anyway so what I read um, when I came to OA that changed my life was two things in step one we can now cease blaming ourselves or others for our compulsive eating I don't know about you, but I always blame myself. I never thought that anybody else was responsible for it. Um, I probably blame my family for a lot of things uh, growing up in an alcoholic family, but I don't know that the food was one I did because I had this feeling like if I was just a normal person, I'd be able to eat normally. And, you know, I, as a result, I started believing that I was inherently flawed in some way, you know, like everybody else knows how to do this and I don't. Um, everybody else knows how to do life, and I don't. Um, and maybe that's just how I made sense of it as a kid. Um, I don't ever remember eating normally. Um, I remember getting, my mom took me to the grocery store when I was five and said, you can have whatever you want as long as it's on your diet. So I went and shopped for whatever was on my diet of the day, you know. And um, so I never knew how to eat right. Um, so learning as an adult today that it, you know, the disease is not my fault, but it's my responsibility. You know, I didn't, I didn't ask to be born with it. We don't ask to be born with it, but we can acquire it. And um, for me, now I have to be responsible for it and work my recovery to the best of my ability as hard as I possibly can. The other thing in this same, um, that's on page one in step one of the 12 by 12, then the other thing was um, the mental obsession was something we couldn't be rid of by our own unaided human will. Again, I thought I could get rid of it, but that wasn't the case either. So moving on to step two, you know, I had a kind of screwed up um, version of God uh, growing up, largely because of um, I think the dysfunction in my family and, and somehow the, the belief system I was taught in a religion was, it never got past my head, you know, it was things I knew, but it never got down to the pain in my heart. And I think that's what I ate over and what I sometimes want to eat over is that, that, well, the big book calls it that, that awful ache so deep in the heart of every compulsive overeater, right? And that's, that's for me what I ate over and, and what I get tempted to eat over today. Um, but in step two, when I read, it's on page 15, it says, we fail to understand that God loves us. Oh, I want to back up, sorry. Uh, sometimes we religious ones had trouble because we believed in God's existence, but we didn't really believe God could and would deal with our compulsive eating. Perhaps we didn't believe that our compulsive eating was a spiritual problem, or we felt that God was concerned only with more important matters. 
which was my case, and God expected us to control such a simple thing as our eating. We failed to understand that God loves us in our totality and is willing and able to help us in everything we do, that God will help us with every decision, and here's the line, even food choices and amounts. To me, the thought that God could care even a jot or a tittle about my eating and help me make good food choices of what to eat and how much to eat was totally off my off my plane of thought. And so when I read that in step two, that, that changed my recovery um, because I was fortunate I came into OA from another 12-step program, so I knew the steps worked, and I knew that I had healing from, from the steps in different areas of my life. So I began to believe slowly, very slowly, that I might actually get help with food, you know. Um, after, let's see, how old was I when I got here? 42 something like that. So it'd been a long time that I ate in a crazy way. Um, so that, that belief comes slowly as I work the steps, I think. Um, so, um, I've, I've, part of my recovery has been really seeking out what my higher power is and isn't for a long time. It was sugar for a long time. It was, you know, whatever the food of the day was that I liked. Um, and, and it was, because I had all this negative image of a higher power in my head. And um, OA has been such a gentle healer of that process, you know, as we, the love we feel here for each other and the kindness. Somebody talked about the kindness in the last meeting I was at, and I just thought that's such a good word to describe the rooms for me, is people are kind no matter what my size, no matter what background I have or whatever. And um, don't find that out in the world. So this is a safe place for me to, you know, work my food process. And I never had one before. Um, So, um, you know, I feel like every day I'm getting a healthier and healthier relationship with my higher power that's less and less impacted by the past experiences I had uh, with with organized religion, with um, some unhealthy things in the religion I was in that that I feel were, for me, very unhealthy that happened. Um, And so, you know, the freedom comes day to day with working the steps and and my food plan and working with the sponsor. Then the part that really excited me, so it's not my fault, was really good news. And then the fact that God could help me with food choices and amounts was very good news. But the kicker in step three, and this is on page 23, it says... As we become aware of what our eating guidelines should be, we ask God for the willingness and the ability to live within them each day. We ask and we receive first the willingness and then the ability. We can count on this without fail. As we continue abstaining, we find that we can depend upon God to eliminate our yearning for the kind of eating that harms us. Much of the time, we no longer want to eat unwisely, and we come to prefer foods that are good for us. This miracle of sanity is an everyday reality for thousands of recovering compulsive overeaters. So if I'm willing, my higher power in our book says that I will be given the ability to have peace with food in my life. And that, to me, is huge. It's just, it still blows my, my mind away. Um, but that's the, that's the abstinence I work towards today with my sponsor. Um, I came to OA in, um, like I said, 2004, and um, just to share about carrying the message, I met someone in um, the other fellowship I was in at the time who dropped 100 pounds, and I watched him. 
watched him lose this weight, and he, like, glowed. You know, he had this peace about him. Now, I don't know about you, but I never had any peace when I was losing weight. It was all, don't talk to me. Don't do it. I don't want to look at me. You know, I'm going to go hide in the closet and try not to eat that little sliver of whatever it is that's calling me because that will be an extra calorie. Um, I never had peace in, in the weight process. Um, even when I got to my goal weight at one point, I was crazy and I knew I was going to gain it back. And I was in OA, you know, it was like the awareness has come slowly, but it was just so stark, you know, here I thought I'd gotten at my goal weight. I think it was after like, I don't know, four, four years in, um, I thought I was at my goal weight and I knew I was going to gain it back because all, all those illusions of when I'm skinny, this is going to happen. And when I'm thin, I'm going to have live happily ever after and all that kind of stuff just um, kind of was dissipated by the fact that I was there and I was scared to death and couldn't be in my skin. So quickly the food came back on. Um, so um, after, after I met that gentleman and I got to OA, uh, for me my abstinence has been um, gradual. Um, I have to start with the low-hanging fruit, as they say, you know, an abstinence that's attainable for me. And I make a food plan that, that helps me accomplish that with my sponsor. Um, I started out with something like giving up sweets. And for me, that wasn't every sweet. You know, there was still the breakfast sweets that were okay because that was breakfast. You know, didn't count, right? But I started there. I mean, I started where I started. And um, then soon after that, it was portion control. And, and as I accomplished these little steps... Um, I started feeling freer, but I was still binging. I'd still have these binges on healthy things, you know, like, I don't know, low-calorie this and that or fruits and vegetables or whatever. And um, what happened was I, I hit a wall in a relationship. I hit a wall in a relationship and um, I remember coming home from a meeting and I was just, I was binging and I thought, this is crazy, you know, I'm, something is not right, you know, and what it meant for me was I had to change my food plan again and my abstinence again. And so I started that with a sponsor and for me that was giving up sugar and white flour and um, I got sick as a dog and I had a detox and withdrawal and I thought I was going to die. And, um, you know, I called the member in the program and she said, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this plan is not for you. And that was the best thing she could have said because then it was like, ha, I'm not giving up these four days of suffering. You know, <laughs> being a good dieter, you know, this was nothing. I could make it another day, right? So, um, so fortunately I didn't give up and, and that was where I'd lost about 30 pounds in previous food plans. And when I got to the flour and sugar food plan, um, I lost the other 40 pounds and, and have found a stable weight or reasonably stable weight within a few pounds that um, I feel more peaceful at. And the biggest thing is I have a choice before I take that compulsive bite. And for me, it, it means going back to the steps. And if I have a choice and I can think just for that one second or pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, I'm ready to dive into this pile of carrots or <laughs> whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, the, it's my behavior around it. Um, if I can just do one thing different when I feel like that, it changes everything. Because next time I have that little victory under my belt, and next time maybe I get another half a second and another half a second to at least consider before I dive in. And for me, it took, it took uh, 
about five years to find a food plan that would allow me that choice. And I think everybody has to find their own food plan that works and clicks for them in terms of their choices about food and amounts and what's peaceful to you and your higher power. Uh, because I wouldn't, I, you know, I never thought I could do flour and sugar, and I swore I never would, and it was like, no, no. It was very, it was very putting off to me, but it was where I found the biggest piece of choice I had about food and the beginnings of peace with food in my life. And I say the beginnings because, you know, it's been 10 years and I still get goofy in my head and I still think about eating those things sometimes, but I have a little more time to make a choice about it and I have a little more time to um, pick up the phone or do some writing or pick up the book and go back to the fact that my higher power guides me into choices, food choices and amounts, and that that all I have to do is be willing to act differently. Um, I don't know about you, but when, when I found out that this disease was spiritual and that I couldn't fix it myself with my sick brain, right? What sick brain can fix a sick brain? You know, um, That was where the responsibility came in. It's like, okay, you know, I didn't ask for this disease, but I do have it, and I do have to work as hard as I possibly can to save my life every day and not and not give in to that compulsion. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, you know, I it's so different to have a choice about the compulsive bite. I think it's always the compulsion, compulsion for me is always going to be there. Um, as they say, doing push-ups, <laughs> waiting for me to come back to it. Um, and sometimes in my abstinent food, I start seeing things that, well, maybe I need to get towards a point where I have to think about giving this up. Um, most recently, uh, I know the date and time, April 5th, um, I uh, let go of a diet soda that I've been drinking since I was five years old because it helped me not eat so much. And I, as a kid, I was given that diet soda to, this will fill you up, you know, do this so you won't be hungry. And, you know, and so I had that in me. And what I found out from from an article that somebody actually gave me about the additive in this particular soda was that it can actually give you a poisoning that creates certain symptoms, um, all of which I had that my doctor couldn't figure out what they were. My blood sugar would drop erratically. I had really strange problems with my digestion. And, um, you know, after going to the doctor off and on for four years, I get this article and it's like, oh, aspartamine poisoning, you know? And that's what ha that's what I did to me for 40, 45 years of drinking this soda, you know, diet soda, diet soda. Um, so I, I think I'm continually called to be alert and look to the things that may be causing me problems. And when I don't know what's causing me problems, if I have an inkling towards something, to try that. To, to think, okay, higher power, if this, you know, if I'm not getting better with what I know now, I must need something different. And to talk to people and keep, keep close to people in meetings and, and my sponsors so that I can run it by and say, is this something you think might help me? Or is this something you might you think I might need to be willing to help me, <laughs> have it help me? Because uh, I can tell you the, the, some of the things have been really hard, and I just pray for the willingness to be willing to be willing to be willing to be willing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in step three, you know, we're promised that the ability is matched to our willingness. So willingness I can do if I am honest enough to say, I'll try, or with 
with gritted teeth and clenched hands, I'll try, you know, because that's not what I want. But you guys have taught me that um, what I want is what got me here and got me to my top way to 223. Um, so this program has gotten me to my weight now is about 155, and I'm 5'6". And, um, you know, I'm fairly stable and grateful and don't quite have as bad a problem with food as I did. You know, I have this much peace where, where I can go to my abstinent meal and I can go to my measured meal and feel like it's a, it's a healthy boundary and a fence around me so I don't run wild instead of a club that I have to beat myself up with that will punish me for doing it wrong, you know. Um, I was at a meeting the other day and somebody said, um, God will love, always love me more than the worst punishment I can give to myself. And I, I re- rely on that. So, anyway, thank you very much for listening, and um, that's it. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Maggie. I'm a compulsive eater. I'm a compulsive person, <laughs> and I'm in your last-minute speaker. So I guess I'm here because God wants me to be here, because last night I was talking to Nancy, our speaker-getter, and somebody wasn't able to show up today. So here I am. God help me. <laughs> so um, I made some cheat notes last night, and I didn't even have paper, so I went out. And what did I find? I found the Brolin Game Dining Guide <laughs> and, and made my cheat notes on that, of course. So, okay. I, ca- I came in here um, in, uh, let's see, August. It will be 13 years ago. And uh, just to tell you, it's never too late. When I came in here, I was past my mid-60s. So it is never too late. <laughs> yeah. And I have always been a compulsive person. I had a mistaken idea. I was had been in another program at that time and, and still, and thank God that I found that program. <laughs> I have been in it over 20 years when I found a way. And I think that God has a plan for each of our lives, and it's unique and it's special to who we are. And for me, it took what it took to get here. And um, so probably I needed to be in that other program for 20 years, but the mistake I made in my head, I'm hearing all kinds of things this morning about mistaken beliefs. Well, my mistaken belief was that if you're in a 12-step program, it's a one program fits all, and that's not true. So what that other program did for me is teach me to accept myself a little better, not completely, (laughs) and to love myself, to really want to take care of myself. And that's the piece that helped me get here. I really believe that. There was a point in time shortly before I got here where I looked in the mirror and I went, Maggie, you're fat. And you know what? I love you anyway. And so somebody said at, a, at a, the last wonderful workshop we were at that <clears throat> what had happened for her was that when she realized that she was a lovable person, what, no matter what her body size was or what she looked like, that's when she, that's kind of paradoxical, really. Then she was able to receive the gifts of this program. So, and I think God, all along, God is 
has done and continues to do for me what I am <laughs> seem to be not always aware that I need to do for myself or even willing. So uh, the other thing I want to say is my experience has been that just when I first came in here, I was curious. Somebody had told me something about what the program had done for them, and they had lost some weight. And I was just curious. So I asked a friend of mine in my other 12-step program about her program, and and she didn't tell me much. She went out and grabbed a schedule and gave it to me, and I had this little piece of willingness. I'll just go. I didn't say anything else to myself. And I went, and uh, I didn't particularly fall in love with the program or think I was home or cry. <laughs> you know, I, I just sat there, and uh, but God was with me because um, I came early to the program, and in that, in that particular meeting, people tend to come kind of late, and there was one person there, and I went in and sat next to her, and she still had a lot of weight to lose. She's a really nice person, and I asked her what the program was doing for her. And she told me that she was shocked that that she was losing weight, but she most appreciated the fact that the relationships in her life had all improved. Then during this during this particular meeting, it was small, and nobody else was able to be a sponsor except that person. And I I I just kind of sat there, and a little voice went off in my head that is higher power that goes, Maggie. If you don't go walk up to that person and ask them to be your sponsor tonight, you're going to walk out of here and you're not coming back. So I did it. And she said yes. <laughs> and that got me started. And that was a very small piece of willingness. And there is something else that I think happened that night. Is I kind of got the message I got was like, just do it. Just do it. Like, stay out of my head. Because my head is very creative about you know, coming up with all kinds of objections or I don't like the way they do this or that or, you know, just be quiet, Maggie, and just do it. So um, so let's, I, I want to stay focused. Nancy told me last night to stay focused. So what I'm supposed to stay focused on is staying away from that first compulsive bite. Uh, so what I remember as a child, my mother saying to me over and over and over again, all you do, Maggie, is pick, 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 pick on food. And uh, she was right. That's true. But it didn't stop me. And it didn't help. And uh, food was my comfort. It gave me pleasure. It, uh, and I think I was always somewhat a pretty sen- very sensitive kid. I was kind of anxious. Um, then there was some earlier programming in there uh, my twin brother and I were we didn't my mother at the time because I'm pretty old they they didn't have sonograms in that day and my mother didn't know she was carrying twins and so when the second child popped out it was like very shocking to her but we came two months early so on this being so long ago we were we were preemies and my mother and we just stay in the hospital for a while. We were <clears throat> fed through, I guess, nasal gavage. Is that what it's called? So um, my mother developed a lot of anxiety about us gaining weight. You know, so um, how she identified that she was proud of us to say, "Oh, look at them! They're really good eaters." <laughs> so, so, uh, so there was some kind of like eating programming <laughs> going on with me in there, uh, and um, okay. So let me talk about early abstinence. When I first came in, those I, I think those first, when I look back on it, I know, well, I even know when I was going through it. I remember very well. There, it wasn't all that easy. 
I think the only thing that kept me able to not take that first bite was that I had to call up that sponsor every single morning and give her my food plan. I had done my writing, and I had to, you know, be honest with her, which is hard because I'm perfectionist, and I like to please everybody and make them think I'm a wonderful person. So, um, but she was so loving and absolutely, um, I didn't feel like she had any judgments about me. And so then it became easier to do. But the food stuff, I went through a lot of things in the beginning with the food stuff. I mean, it shocked me. I mean, the whole idea of three meals a day and nothing in between, that's my food plan. No flour, no sugar, three meals a day, nothing in between. I never had nothing in between in my entire life. Even all the many, many programs I'd been in. I, I'd been in so many different, you know, commercial programs. Or if I heard of some weird thing, I'd go try that. And um, I, had, I did hypnosis twice. And so, you know, not, I mean, it all works for a while. But then, that, see, I had mistaken ideas about that that just going on a diet, you lose weight. And I never went past that in my thinking, well, how am I going to keep it off? <laughs> so what came up for me in this first 30 days was a lot, a lot of fear about dying and starving to death. I mean, where did that come from? But that, oh, that was there. Like I had finished my third meal of the day, and I was sitting there at night. I'm not even a night eater, but it was just like, that's what was up for me. And... Uh, and so just going, you know, talking over with my sponsor, going to meetings and listening to people. I heard a lot of little things at meetings that really, really helped me. One of them I heard about that fear that I had was no one ever died of starvation between breakfast and lunch. Well, that's true. And I had to keep saying that to myself because the other, this other part of me was sure if I didn't get what I wanted when I started feeling a little bit of tiny bit of hunger was I, 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 that translated in my brain as desperation and I had to know no 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 you're, you're okay no one ever died of starvation between breakfast and lunch so all of those little things really help uh, and so I wrote down a list last night while I was sitting there <laughs> At the big meeting, which was actually a wonderful meeting, I wrote, wrote that down on this little food thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what were the things that uh, helped me at first, especially? One was writing the food, just writing the food down and sticking to it, making sure, first of all, I'd gone to the store and bought a bunch of really healthy things. And writing them down and then being accountable to my sponsor and being a proud. See, sometimes our defects work for us. I was very proud, so I didn't want my sponsor to think poorly of me. <laughs> so since I'd written that down, you know, that I knew I was going to have to show up and tell her about it. Well, actually, that helped in, that, in my own weird way. That actually helped me. Um, and another thing, let's see, is just going to, I went to my three meetings a week. I go to two now, and I try to get to one of my other 12-step meetings, so it's three meetings, 12-step meetings a week, but I really needed to go to a lot of meetings, I still need to get to my meetings, and at this point in my life, it's kind of switched over, I don't go because I know I have to, although I do know I have to, believe me, I go because I want to, and I look forward to it, and it kind of makes my day, and I love it, and I love the people, and I'm open to learning from them. 
And, and I learned from people that I would never have been open to learning from before. And I've learned to respect people and to see how much courage it takes to come in here and to, be, and to allow myself to be inspired by that. Um, so just going to the meetings and then, and then reading, really reading the OA literature, which we have to do anyway. In the, I'm, I'm in How OA. And so we do those first 30-day questions, and we have to read all this literature and answer all these questions. It's very compulsive. <laughs> answer all these questions. Okay. Uh, so, but that's, that was good for me. <laughs> and and what, I, what happened for me is I have developed a, a real love of the literature. And uh, so now, after you know, going through all these different books and literature, I go to a, a, a big book, a, a meeting where we do the big book and we do the twelve and twelve all the time. So that's always fresh. But um, I, re- I read my two daily readers in a way every single day, and I love them. And even though I'm repeating myself, so this is getting into my thirteenth year here, so. Um, I find something that's fresh for me, that speaks to me every single day. And when I do my writing, so what I do is I take, I take up my writing and I start doing my reading. And I have my two daily readers and then I have three other little readers that I do. I'm kind of compulsive. But, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll write what kind, of, what kind of like pokes out at me, what kind of grabs me. I'll just write that out or maybe any thought I have with that that I need. And that's like this precious little jewel to carry with me for the day. And it does make a difference. Um, so after 12 and a half years of absence, or a little more than that, 13 in August, can't believe it. Um, so looking back, I want to see what, keep, what keeps me from taking uh, only the first bite. Okay. Um, first of all, the one thing is I don't get to eat anything that isn't on my food plan, and I get to eat three times a day. And that's enough. It really is enough. <laughs> you know, so I, I think my body's made an adjustment to that, so I'm not like crazy like it used to be with it. But that is enough because we get to have, on my food plan, I get to have plenty of food. It's all weighed and measured. And it's plenty of food. So, but that... That presents different issues and different problems. I, I need to plan ahead, and there are some circumstances that really aren't so easy to be in uh, around food. <laughs> like when I go to my uh, my son and his wife's house. She's Filipina, and they, what they do is put out 5,000 dishes of mostly food that I can't eat, which are wonderful, but, and it's out there all day. And the style of eating is to constantly graze all day long. So I've had to, I've had to find a way. I'm not going to not go to my relatives' house. I love them. So I, I always bring a big salad, and I always ask what she's going to have. And uh, sometimes I've had to bring some backup food. If I think, you know, I really need to do this, I'll bring. I love that idea of bringing backup food. So I don't eat it. So what? Because the most important thing for me is to stay abstinent. Because what I, if anything, what I get clearly is is that I am compulsive and that my, my um, what do you call it? It's like a fallback position. It's where I'm always going to end up going is to once I get started, I'm not going to stop. And I got it. I know that's how it is. I've ha- I, had t- I, w- I was 66 when I came in here. I, I had years of experience of seeing my fallback position. <laughs> so I got it. I know that, I know that that's true. 
So um, the other thing is I've learned to enjoy my food preparation. It is a lot more work to eat in this healthy way. Let's face it. And if someone had said that at the beginning, oh, you're going to have to do a lot of work, I would have used that, may have used that as an excuse. But I have learned to, uh, again, I have had to just say, just do it. <laughs> but in the process of just doing it, it's kind of like fake it till you make it. I have learned to enjoy it. I Like, that shocks me. How can I enjoy doing all this work? I, I look for it. It's very grounding to me to go into my kitchen and, and get out my veggies and prepare them and fix them. So it is kind of like, just do it. This is what you have to do if you're going to stay abstinent. So I'm not fighting it. And I, I've learned to kind of like enjoy that. Another thing I think in the, that helped me not, not taking the compulsive first bite is um, not putting myself, especially in the beginning, in really dangerous places. One of the dangerous places in the grocery store was that aisle that has the bins on it because that used to be one of my things. Oh, my God. is <laughs> going down the aisles with the bins on it sampling. Um, so I just didn't even go down those aisles in the beginning. And, and then, the, then when I started allowing myself to do it, I would just say, God, help me as I go down this aisle. It's fine. That, that works fine. And I've learned to do that a lot. A lot I've heard this morning is the spiritual part of the program. So being able to be abstinent has helped has helped me uh, grow my desire to be more spiritual. And then the spiritual part of it, which to me is asking, surrendering, and asking help from higher power. But it all works together because I need to say, be able to say simple prayers and requests like, God help me. So, um, and I do it a lot around the food. It's like, just God help me right here. <laughs> and, and, and for lots of other things, too. Uh, just God help me, you know, or guide me. Um, the other thing that's helped me is keeping me from... Uh, taking the first bite is uh, focusing on I heard someone else say this this morning too it's like focusing on all the benefits I receive from being abstinent. I don't want to give those up and and by coming to meetings I really can hear and see how easy it would be you know just taking the first compulsive bite to just slip 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 back I don't want to lose what I have the other gift for me is it's kind of like good news, bad news, like I'm old now. <laughs> okay, right? Now I'm really getting old. I'm going to be 80 uh, in September. So, uh, you know, so I'm going, uh, you don't have much time left, Maggie. You don't have time to have a slip and come back. You know, just do it. <laughs> it's like, this is your life. <laughs> so... Um, Let's see, what else have I... Okay, the other thing is learning how to deal with... I'm, all right, let me, let me just say this. If someone had told me that I didn't, couldn't have fun and I didn't, couldn't travel and I couldn't do interesting, fun things, um, if, I, if I, you know, had remained abstinent, I probably wouldn't have stayed in the program. But I, I've been on cruises. I've been, we've traveled to China. I've traveled all over Europe. Stuff like that. And I've always been able to work with, with a sponsor on my food and devise some kind of a food plan. On the cruises, what I would do is just write out as a reminder what my basic food plan was. 
And then at the end of the day, I, and only three meals, at the end of the day, I would write down exactly what I had had. And I always bring, no matter where I go on a trip, I always bring my literature with me. And I do my reading and writing every day. And sometimes on vacation, I have to kind of do the short version. But I do it because without God's help, my default position is to go right back into eating, into compulsion, and into, you know, not a peaceful way of living. And I've learned to treasure the peace in my life. The other thing I've had to do, and I think this helps and speaks to the first compulsive bite, is to learn to deal with stress. Because I am naturally my fallback position is to be stressed out, anxious, perfectionistic. And I have had to work and work and work on that physical things. Even I did years of body work and recovery. I've had to like learn meditative practices, learn uh, visualization practices, um, to really be able to be ground, grounded and to know that my spiritual practice every day is what keeps me grounded and keeps me going. Um, so I'm just grateful that this is here, and I am so touched by showing up at a place like this and seeing, you know, we're not like the big professionals here to, you know, we've got it all together. No, we are all people struggling with the same program, and we have something to teach one another, whether we're newcomers or whether we're old-timers, whatever it is. And I am just, it is so touching and so moving, unlike anything that could be that would be just strictly professional. So I want to thank you all for being here. Okay. Mary, abstinent compulsive overeater. Can you see me? Okay. I would like to be over there so you could see me, but I have to be with a mic. Listening to the two other speakers, I said, they must have read my notes. (laughs) They said everything I'm going to say. What am I going to do for 20 minutes? I want to thank you for taking such good care of yourself on a holiday weekend to find this hotel to come in and to register yourself and choose the workshops that you're choosing and choosing the friendships that you're making or you already have for your recovery. Staying away from the first compulsive bite. For me, I always have the first compulsive bite Right, it can be at any time, any day. I came into 12 step rooms 27 years ago, followed my sponsor from another 12 step program into OA. But I didn't know I needed OA. I was working these other programs, and it took me two years of asking her where were the meetings. And she patiently giving me the calendar and the newsletter. And then me asking again over the phone or when I saw her in the other program. took me two years. The way I look at that is I had to work that program two solid years. So I came in around 21 years ago. I did not get absent. 
for quite a while. It took me almost three years. I do have 18 years of back-to-back abstinence. The reason I call myself abstinent compulsive overeater at World Service in 2012 when I was there the last time, they wanted to know who in the room was abstinent so that people in the rooms could say or know that there was someone that was abstinent. So that's how I introduced myself since 2012. Staying away from the first compulsive bite, I look at my behavior before that first compulsive bite. There is a cycle of doing the steps. Please do not be between sets of steps. It's a continual cycle. So if you have a problem, the question is, what step are you working? For me, the fourth step does not take a year because I know I have to do it again. It's going to be done imperfectly. Most times in most programs, NOA should take a month. Let, it, let the rest go. You don't understand it. It'll pop up at your sixth and seventh step. But continual cycle of steps. If you get tired of doing the steps, then do a set of traditions. Because traditions are about relationships. Yes, they are about OA meetings, but they're about relationships. The set of steps is about ourselves. So I want to apply the set of steps to before the first compulsive bite. So step one, I am powerless. I am in a room of people who feel powerless. But God is powerful. So I've done step one. So I'm going to take an incident that's happening in my life today that's causing me to become very close to taking that first, second, and third, go on a binge, start shopping for food, etc. So it's, it's not everything. It's a particular character defect or an incident that has come up that I can't resolve. So I let it go. First step, I'm powerless. God has the power. Step two, turn my will, my lives, my life again. Doesn't matter how many times I've previously done it. Doesn't even matter how many times I've done it on that particular character defect or incident. This today is the day that I'm going to eat. And I'm going to really enjoy myself eating. I may not see you again, but I'm going to sure be happy because I'm eating. Step three. I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. Step four, what's going on? Do the writing. Okay, here's my latest journal. It's waterlogged. Now, I don't know how it got waterlogged other than I always carry water with me and I take this journal everywhere. And when I go to work, I put it in the client's bag. They don't know I have my journal with me. But in here are ten steps, seven steps, In here are visioning and gratitude lists. In here are things that I hear you say at meetings. So this is very important for me. When this is done, I have another one at home waiting. So this is almost done. So I had to go back and find my place. Okay. (sighs) Okay. 
So step four, yeah, okay, what is that particular incident? Do some writing. I just showed you the journal, what my journal looks like, and I see those beautiful journals that uh, OA is selling today downstairs. They're gorgeous. Need to share that with somebody. If my sponsor isn't available, I'm going to share that with somebody else. Six, what are the situations that I know that are the closest to get me to eat? Okay, is it watching television? Is that where I'm going to take my first compulsive bite? Am I watching television because I need to zone out? So all those questions, what is the behavior that is going on? And if you don't know, ask who lives with you or who you're you're sponsoring. (laughs) Ask somebody because you know what? Most people that you are surrounding yourself in recovery have a spirituality around them. And they have a sense of honesty. So if they hurt your feelings, like they said before, I think I can last from morning to lunch before I eat. So I think this feeling, as hellish as it is, as deep as it is, it will someday pass. Because I've witnessed these feelings before pass in other people. So seven, humbly. And we talked, uh, I talked about my, with my sponsor this week about that concept of entirely, being entirely. I'm humbling, but am I am entirely ready to give this character defect up. And what I heard earlier was, am I willing, am I willing to be willing? Okay, entirely ready. I sure, I sure hope so. Eight, who are we harming right now with this character defect or who are we going to harm when we do take that first compulsive bite who's going to be hurt and before we heard today it's the people around us well it's the people in our past and it's the people in our future if we do start eating so for me I have to give up my sponsees my service positions I had to give up uh, my recovery, I give up my spirituality, give up my yoga. I, I give up all of that when I start eating. So far, I haven't taken that first compulsive, compulsive bite long enough to lose my absence. So I'm really very, very grateful to be able to keep the abstinence. And because I have more than one year of absence or two or whatever it is, I feel a tremendous obligation to carry the message. So if I start eating, I can't carry the message. That's why we're here. Yeah, okay, we're here to lose weight, or we're here to do this, or we're here to do that, but we're to carry the message. Because we are in here, and you know what's outside this room or out on the freeway. Last night I was driving home, and on the over ramps, people were stopped watching the fireworks. I've never seen that, but that's how people are. No one was driving crazy, but they were using over ramps to stop. They're driving. Ah, Luckily, I was driving from here home. 
because I knew not to look at the fireworks as I drove. So did they. But I, I would choose to go off the freeway rather than stay on the over-ramp. So that's, maybe that's a little bit of abstinence in me, to have that sanity. Okay, so we move through step eight, still around this one character defect that's just egging us on to get that first compulsive bite. What's our side of the street? What, what part do we need to clean up? And I love this kind of finger because I've learned that it's pointing three, three fingers back at me. So when I go like that, it actually means I'm to take care of myself. I'm to clean my side of the street. And boy, I'm talented. If you want to know what your character defects are, come ask me after the meeting. <laughs> All right, the 10th step. There's many, many ways to do the 10th step. One, one really very successful way for many, many people is to write down the third step prayer, write down the character defect, write the seven step prayer, then give it away to somebody. What The only thing you can do, do you have some time? Yes. The other thing is you do not need to comment or say anything to me after I give this 10 step away. So that takes the obligation of that person away from saying, oh, now I have to counsel or advise or share. Uh-uh. This is just your, your tenth step. If they happen to, great. But do the tenth step. The eleventh step, listening. Meditation is listening. It's really hard to quiet our minds. We are compulsive. And to get that mind to quiet down, you don't have to, and this I, this is an aside, this is just my opinion, but if there are some people in this room that haven't gotten to the 11th step because you're stuck earlier, you can always do the 11th step. It does not require the first 10 steps to do the 11th step. You can be quiet, find a quiet place, Try to listen. You may hear what you don't want to hear. (laughs) It may require tremendous action on your part, possibly tremendous change. But it also, you get tremendous opportunities. Tremendous dreams will come to you right when you're quiet. If you do it often enough, for say like 10 minutes, you'll know that it's not you or your addict mind. It's actually God dreaming, dreaming way beyond your capacity, my capacity. That's step 11. Step 12, practice these principles in all our affairs. So looking at the principles of in OA, How are you practicing them within the rooms and beyond the rooms? Plenty of opportunities. What is stressing you out? So that's in 
a capsule before you get the first compulsive bite or starting the first compulsive bite. So this is an inventory. You know what? This requires so much more work. If you knew how much work this was when you first came in, (laughs) would we stay? No. But we're babies when we come in or when we get abstinent. Thank God, because how many times have you read the big book or 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 the OA 12 and 12 and said, they didn't put that there this time. That was never there the three times I read it. Somebody overnight wrote that excerpt, and somehow they type-fitted it so it still fit in. That's, That's what is revealed. That's what is meant. More will be revealed. That's one of the sayings of the program. More will be revealed. We don't want to know it all today. That's why lots of us want to be children again, so we can blank out. And I I want to speak to a part uh, that I heard today. Uh, And I've heard people say this, and I have to say it because I... I I look at my age as something that I have control over. (laughs) Oh. Okay, maybe I need to do some work around that. Okay. But but what I did hear is I may not have enough time to come back. And so uh, beyond losing my sponsees and losing you and the... uh, relationships I have and everything, you know, I, I can't come back next week. I may not be here next week because this is a killer disease. It's insane. It's uh, just a really rough disease, and, and we know it, and we know it. So for some statistics for me, I didn't realize I was overweight uh, but during my marriage, before I got into the program, both my, my husband and my daughter called me fat. And it was the way I was eating. I could out-eat my husband, and I thought that was something that was good. He was six feet. I'm 4'11", but I, I wore heels today. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm maybe five feet. But I, I, I thought it was fine. Gee, if you can out eat somebody else and there's still food, you know, what, what's great about that? Because I, I, I work out and so I can eat as much as I want. And then when I got in uh, here, uh, I, I knew I was getting in here uh, because one of the boyfriends I had had taught me uh, how to eat a, a cold thing out of a carton. I had never done that before. I always used a, a spoon and a, and a bowl. So I was doing that even after he left. But that was before I got into OA. So um, I, I gave that up. I gave that up, and I've never had that back. So when I got my permanent abstinence, it was three meals a day. Today I have three meals and a snack. Thank you. I've lost 30 pounds, and I lost that within maybe the first few years. So I've had a long maintenance Probably 10 years ago, I gave up flour. And about three weeks later, I said, gee, then I gave up the sugar. 
And so for me, I'm really very, very humble uh, to relate to my higher power to be given the gift that I can walk by sweet things or have them right right around me and, and not have have any idea uh, because my, my mouth has a great memory and it, it remembers everything that was sweet that I've given up and I can recall it. I don't want to do that. So, there's a list of things for us to do before we take that first compulsive bite. I would say the main thing is whatever step you're on now, even step zero, that's a great step. That's taking care of yourself. Step zero. Get into step one. Stay in the steps. You lose a sponsor, find another sponsor. You lose a sponsee, get another sponsee. The cycle of steps is critical. Now, what do the tools have to do with the steps? Now, I don't know when you realized, or maybe you haven't, but I didn't get, I kept waiting for, well, the steps are part of the tools. Now, even though I'd been in other 12-step programs, when I got into OA, the tools became very important. The tools that we have. We had eight, and, and now we have nine tools. The tools are there. It's a toolkit to work the steps. I, I didn't know that. It really took me a very long time in here to get it. So as you're doing the steps, use the tools. They were mentioned here uh, with the other two speakers. To, to use those tools along with the steps because they help you do the steps when you get to step 12 jump up and down and you're going to celebrate how how are you going to celebrate wow yes and that's my time thank you Thank you, Amy, Maggie, and Mary. Now we will um, have questions and answers. And if we could have the Ask It Basket up here, please. Thank you. Okay, Maggie, there's a list of questions here for you. (laughs) Why don't you come up here so uh, the answers can be recorded? Can you read that? Well, try. Maggie, uh, how much weight did you lose? Uh, I maintained 40 pounds off for over 12 years, so... Uh, have you relapsed? I did in the beginning. Oh, and how long before you went abstinent again? I did in the beginning because I didn't really quite get that, you know, uh, these these little guidelines mean what they say. <laughs> yeah. my, my brain was a little fuzzy on that, but my sponsor very kindly helped me with that. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't, like, I think I was like a few weeks in when I, when I, uh, goofed up I guess is what you would say but but I got, but I did go right back on okay so and since then not what is my food plan exactly 
Oh, okay. Well, <clears throat> three meals a day, nothing in between. The meals are all... I, I vary my breakfast. A lot of people don't vary their breakfast. <clears throat> but uh, I love breakfast. I, you know, I still love my food. I look forward to my food. This isn't like, oh, isn't this awful? I have to only do this. So I have several different... So basically, generically, I have one serving of protein, which could be, uh, could be a cup of non-fat yogurt. Um, and I have, um, I have a half a cup of uh, whole grain cereal. And I have a cup of fruit. And that really sustains me. Now, I, I can't, I think we're all different. So I can't go longer than maybe five hours in between a meal and I start feeling a little edgy. So <laughs> timing is important also. So, so at lunch, I, I again vary my meals. In the beginning, I kept them much simpler. But at, at my meals now, I'm having some, maybe like about three and a half ounces of protein at lunch. That could be in a salad. Sometimes when I cook, when I cook, I like roast vegetables or steam them. I've learned how to, uh, I, I have my favorite spice store. And so I'll roast them with try different spices on them. Uh, try to make them really tasty. And I'll make me enough for maybe a couple of days so I'm not like constantly cooking or I have something to bring. I still work. Sometimes I bring lunch and dinner with me and pack it up and then leave my husband's dinner. He's getting healthier too. So he's lucky he has me fixing all his food. So I'll have like about three and a half ounces at lunch of protein uh, and two cups of vegetables and a fruit. And at dinner, um, and then I better not go more than five hours for that. So I kind of got to look at my day. And I have, my job is interesting because my hours vary. So I have to really look at each day. And um, and often pack those lunches with me. And I have three and a half to four ounces of protein at dinner. And I have three servings of vegetables, lots of vegetables. And there's half cup servings and full cup servings. So, you know, I could, like two, so three half cup servings would be my allotment or three whole cup servings depending on what the vegetable is. And... Um, I don't have fruit at dinner, so I have two fruits a day, and that—that's what I'm doing right now. That's currently. And I have. To, I'm, let me just say, I have to really watch that because as I get older, my something's changing and shifting. So <laughs> when I'm where I went back to three and a half ounces of the protein was right now. It's just because I notice that it's my body. My maybe my metabolism is slowing down or whatever. So. I have to kind of keep track of that. Oh, also, I have a grain serving at at lunch also. And I, now I'm not having that at dinner because it is harder for me to maintain my weight off. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of questions here, but I've tried to group some of them together. And there's a lot of questions here about what are the actions you take before the first compulsive bite? Many of the Tools, phone, prayer, reading often do not work for me. What are your actions after the bite? How do you not take that compulsive bite every time? Uh, Let's see. What do you say to yourself or to God when you are tempted? 
What is the self-talk before you take or want to take the first bite? And there was another one that wanted to know, what is the difference between imperfect abstinence, a slip, and relapse? <laughs> so I think that's, that kind of sums up a lot of the same kind of questions. But I'm going to leave them up here. And if all three of you, please feel free to answer um, in the best way you can. Thank you. Um, you know, for me, there's not any set thing because when I'm in that powerless spot about um, not taking the compulsive bite, it feels kind of like I'm flailing. And um, sometimes I just take a breath and something will come to my mind, you know, from being, being at meetings and talking to people and, you know, I'll remember something. Um, you know, like, like I read out of the third step, you know, God matches our ability or for me, our ability to our willingness. So I guess it's being willing to, to notice what I'm feeling and notice I'm having that craving and to just say help. Uh, there's a great book out called Help Thanks Wow, Three Prayers to God, you know. And help is when I say a lot. And the other thing my sponsor told me is get on your knees, you know. For me, I can't not focus on my higher power when I'm on my knees like that. And it's that ultimate kind of feeling of powerlessness. And from there, it only goes up, right? <laughs> and and if I do stumble on it, um, you know, um, I just try not to, to beat myself to death over it because my higher power loves me more than all the things I could criticize myself for. And, and, and I like to think of it as my higher power likes me best. So... Um, so that's kind of the the best way I can describe it, and it's it's really whatever works in the minute. You know, I have a puppy at home, so that's one thing that is all, you know, it may be I'm in that place and the dog, the dog weighs 110 pounds and stumbles in and, you know, knocks me over or something, and then I go, oh, yeah, 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 okay, back to the, back to the basics. Um, sometimes I text people. Sometimes I, I look at my food plan and say, did I wait too long to eat? You know, what did I do that set up the, the situation where I'm wanting to eat compulsively and I'm facing that bite? Um, you know, and sometimes I, I wait too long to eat or I didn't eat a really health, as healthy a meal as I could have. Maybe I picked a certain kind of meat that isn't as healthy as another kind because I wanted that kind, you know, that first funner kind of meat or something, you know. Um, so, and then I wanted to speak a little bit to the one about what's the difference between imperfect abstinence, a slip, and relapse. Um, you know, for me, like I said, I have to go to the low-hanging fruit, you know, to where I have success in my food and in, in my relationship with food and with my higher power. You know, that's another thing. How many people have relationships with food, right? It's not really the most normal thing, you know. Usually they have them with people or places or, th you know. But food, right? So um, that tells me I'm cuckoo already. But um, so imperfect abstinence for me, um, my abstinence is no, f no white flour, no sugar, and measured meals. Oh, I take that back. The goal is the measured meals. You know, my abstinence is no white flour, no sugar, and I measure my meals. And if I slip one day or I want a little, you know, I take that finger full of something extra, you know, to me that's 
I make my absence the other because I will stick to that and I can commit to doing that. But if I, if I go out to eat and I have, you know, I, I buy my, I, I, I buy my food. I mean, technically that's, that would be breaking my abstinence if the measured part was part of my abstinence, right? Cause I wouldn't be doing it perfect. And again, then my head goes, Oh, I can't do it. Perfect. It's like, okay, so take a step back and make the abstinence match a food plan that I can follow through on. So the imperfect abstinence is maybe having an extra half teaspoon of something when I'm measuring my food. For me, that would be imperfect abstinence for me. And a slip is kind of, I, I think that can be a number of things, but just knowing that I've fallen short of either my abstinence or my food plan to me is a slip. For me, a relapse was something, either a conscious time that I've chosen to say, forget it, I'm going to eat this anyway, I don't care. It's like the conscious thing of going off of it and saying, but I want that sugar, or I want that this, or whatever it is. That to me is a relapse. Um, the unconscious ones, my sponsor always told me, she said, did you set out to eat this thing that turns out has sugar in it and you didn't know it? Did I, you know What was my intention? And if I, if I find I accidentally ate something with sugar in it, I don't, I don't count that as a, as a relapse. I count that as imperfect abstinence. Um, and then the slip part, well, and then the relapse part for me, um, I ended up having some medical issues when I lost the last 40 pounds I lost. And my doctor told me I needed to eat more food. And so I ran into this thing where, oh, my doctor says I have to eat more food, you know, and there's no specific measurements for this, right? So, oh, I'm, oh, it's my blood sugar's falling. I need that food, you know. And before I knew it, I'd gained 20 pounds, right? So to me, the relapse was unconscious. It was going to a place that I didn't intend to go that, that led me away from my healthy weight. And eventually I saw what I was doing. So it, it becomes a conscious thing where I've, I've allowed something to get out of balance and it hurts my, it hurts my healthy abstinence. So that's kind of just my rough idea on those terms. Uh, one is, how do you distinguish between the OA program and a diet? Okay, a, a diet is different from a food plan. A food plan is part of your spiritual program, and you share it with someone else. You can share it through email or uh, physically, virtually, over the phone, wh whatever you would do. You're sharing it with someone else. You're sharing it with God. So a diet would be... <coughs> For me, for me, counting calories. Uh, but that's. But a lot of people uh, believe that uh, you can count calories for, as part of your food plan. So the OA program is re really a spiritual program, and it costs nothing, and it's not commercial. A diet comes, in my mind. This is only my experience, commercially. I know that there's t uh, programs on the television that do give out very good advice uh, if you think it's great advice check it out with a nutritionist and or your sponsor because there may be something in there that sounds really good sounds very logical 
very healthy food groups, but it may not be OA. And the OA program requires us to become better people. Again, it's free. It's, I know this, this convention costs, but there's scholarships. So OA is free. We're, we're not going to make any money. This room, we're empty. We're not making any money, the four of us up here, than the timer. Okay. But in the diet programs, people are, it's commercial. People are making money. That's their idea. What do you, and the other question, what do you say to yourself or to God when you're tempted to take that first compulsive bite? Okay, first of all, um, there, there is a first compulsive bite in all of us today, even at, even here. Okay, it, it's here. So um, I can't, God can, I think I'll let God and help. And God, I turn my will and my life over to you. And I need to do that many, many times a day. Your will, not mine. If there's one syllable that you can use as a cue to remind yourself you need to talk to God or to a higher power. Lots of people in these rooms are, well, I'm sorry, that doesn't go with the question. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) stop. Thank you. Maybe we'll go on to a different kind of question here. Okay, a few people want to know, what is the hardest situation you had to abstain through and how did you do it? (laughs) So it's like give an example. Mm -hmm. And um, is there a specific situation or kind of situation that consistently tests your abstinence? So. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the hardest one, I was just thinking of that while I was sitting there. What was the hard, the one that drove me really nuts? Because there are lots of different, uh, there are lots of different challenges in life when we're just living our life. We have to have a food plan that we can live with. Well, I'm going to just say something before I answer this, is that uh, the difference between a diet and um and what we do here in our readers. I, I heard someone who, with long-term abstinence say one time that you can do this OA program as a diet. And in my mind, what I had to get, this was not about losing weight anymore, although I needed to lose weight. But it was about finding a lifestyle I could live with. So I had to be able to enjoy my food, and I had to be able to find ways to eat under, under whatever circumstances that you know of my life so okay what's the hardest uh, mental state or situation you had to abstain through so I think the hardest one for me um, was uh, going to stay in a friend's house who knew nothing about 12 step nor uh, we're, we're not focused in around food the way we are supposed to be focused around food and we went to, we love these people, my husband and I, and we've known them for over 50 years. And so we went to stay in their house, and they're wonderful hosts, so she'd prepare it all. <laughs> they both cook. So the, he would prepare food for us, and she would adjust, you know, it's kind of like, one of the hardest things was, I, I explained to them that I would need to go to the grocery store and get a few things for myself. This is in another state. So they looked at me like, what in the hell is 
wrong with you? So I, it wasn't like trying to talk them into getting them to understand because they didn't. I mean, I told them, you know, I'm on this food plan and I have problems with sugar and this is my, this is what I'm committed to. But they looked at me like, you are really weird. And, and so for me to get around that, I had to accept it was okay for someone to think I was really weird. And, um, and then it's like the, the guy whose house we were at picks this wonderful salad and had some stuff in it that I, I couldn't have on my food plan, so I didn't have it. And he was so proud of it. You know, so I just told him, this is absolutely beautiful. I'm very touched that you fix this for it. And, you know, um, and then I didn't make a big, I just said, I, I, not, I don't think I can have that on my food plan. It's, it's like, it was not comfortable. I had to be willing to be uncomfortable. So, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. I think I see. What is it? What's the, what's the farthest you've gone to avoid taking a compulsive bite? <laughs> oh. Hmm. Uh, pro- not going to an event that I, I could, there was a particular event that I knew. It was just in the state I was in, and um, it wasn't that meaningful where I felt I had to go that was going to be very tempting and difficult. I just didn't go. And I don't do that very often. But it's like whatever it takes, whatever you got to do. <laughs> farthest thing that you've done to not take the compulsive bite because it's a funny story. Um, Several years ago when there was that blizzard in Washington, D.C., there might have been a few since then, I was at a conference there. And um, usually when I travel, I bring what food I can, you know, kind of staples. And then I always go to the grocery store and get stuff that I can eat and, you know, try to measure it out and all that. And during that blizzard, no one was leaving the hotel. There was no shuttles anywhere. Um, And I was in my hotel room and, you know, there's a restaurant downstairs. I have no vegetables I can have, you know, the very limited menu, but very gourmet menu. It was was a really fancy hotel. And um, so they finally said that they would let the, you know, the shuttle could go out, but, but not, you know, just emergencies, right? So I don't know how it happened, but I talked to somebody and got them to take me to the grocery store. Actually, it was a cab. That's what I did. I called a cab and they came and um, I went to the grocery store. Now this is the middle of the blizzard. So everyone's buying up water and firewood and, you know, non-perishables because we're all going to die, right? And um, here I am in line with these bags of carrots and, you know, And I waited in line, and I waited so long that the cab driver came in and looked for me because the meter's like up over 40 bucks, 50 bucks, you know. And finally I get through the line, and he drives me home, and I, you know. But I'll never forget that, you know. It was like, it was, I picture it, and it's really funny, but that's my death. My death is life, and my life is, my food is life and death is what I'm trying to say, blah, blah, blah. Anything else on there? What is your total weight loss? Um, I'm at 70 pounds right now. Originally it was 73, so I'm a little uh, over that. What is the last time you... Okay. What do you drink after eliminating diet soda? Uh, 
I didn't like water. I don't like water either. But I've tried to drink it a lot. Um, I just look for things that don't have aspartame in them. And a lot of the vitamin water drinks, vitamin water zeros, and I'm not promoting anything. That's just, I was asked my experience. Those don't have it. And um, sometimes at the big warehouse stores, they have, like, bubbled juices that don't have it in it. I look for things without that, and, and then I go to them and see how they affect me. But I try really hard to stay away from it, just like I did sugar, because it made my body so sick and I didn't even know it. Okay, uh, one. we have time for one two-minute answer. If someone would like to speak about relapsing and how long before you regained your abstinence. Okay, well, but we have one person who can. Um, um, like I said, I, I my abstinence is no white flour, no sugar. And um, when I had that medical issue and I had to eat more food, I considered that a relapse. And then I remember a time that I consciously chose to eat something that had white flour and sugar in it, and that was a relapse. But the last time was uh, June 9th last year, which is where I start my, you know, my complete abstinence from from. Or actually, it's my abstinence is the same, but my food plan doing it correctly and doing the abstinence how I want to do it with with measured food um after this medical thing my sponsor said you know you haven't been measuring your food for a while I think we better start over you know so it's like I look for those attitudes in me where I know I'm doing something deliberate with food that isn't isn't healthy um it's a lot more than just you know picking up something that I shouldn't eat it's mostly my intention about food and and when I get that little voice that says forget it. I'm not, I'm not going back to what I'm supposed to eat. I'm taking this, you know, that to me is relapse. It's in my brain long before I take the compulsive bite. Okay. That is all the time we have. So, um, please join me in thanking Amy, Maggie, and Mary. Okay, um, now I'm going to uh, ask that we all join hands, if we can, <laughs> and end the meeting with the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Coming back, it works. Your hands are freezing. I know. I know. Once they close the doors, it really keeps the, yeah, the cold air. Oh, thank you.